Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, a podcast created in conjunction with the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia, and I'm an ambassador for them. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Right now, I'm going to take you back to 2017, when former Labor MP and member for Canberra, Gabe Brotman, called for an end to the silence around endometriosis in the House of Representatives. Yes, endometriosis got a mention in Parliament House. Now, this was after Gay attended one of Endometriosis Australia's high teas in Canberra, and I was lucky enough to be there. Gay addressed all of the endo worries in the room. She listened intently the entire time. She was taking notes, and she said to my mum, dad and I, At the end of the high tea, I'm going to take this conversation into Parliament. I want to help those with endometriosis. She promised to get that conversation into Parliament and she helped to deliver. She teamed up with Liberal MP Nicole Flint and created the bipartisan Parliamentary Friends of Endometriosis. Together, along with Nola Marino and others, they were determined to make a change. They met with endometriosis groups, including Endometriosis Australia, and approached the Minister for Health, Greg Hunt. In 2018, Minister Hunt spoke in Parliament announcing a milestone occasion for Endo Warriors, the launch of the National Action Plan. In this episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, I'm so, so lucky to chat to the Honourable Greg Hunt. Yes, the Minister for Health and Aged Care wanted to come on this podcast Tell us what's in store for the future with the National Action Plan. How can we keep the conversation going? And he also answered some of your questions as well that you sent through on the Endometriosis Australia Facebook page. He is passionate about helping those with endometriosis. So please enjoy this episode with the Honourable Health Minister, Mr Greg Hunt. It is such an honour to be speaking to the Honourable Greg Hunt, MP, Minister for Health and Aged Care. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for doing it. It's just an absolute privilege to join you, Ellie, and uh, all of the women who are focused on endometriosis and their partners and their friends. So it's a hugely important topic that affects one in nine Australian women. Now, it was 2018 the National Action Plan was announced. I was there in Parliament with you, and uh, I vividly remember there was a feather boa being flown around. Uh, There was a yellow feather boa, and there's a photo of you and me and all of the endo warriors as we celebrated, and you apologised to all of the women who have suffered over the years with endometriosis, and it was just such a monumental moment, which will stick with me forever. Well, it was it was hard to forget the day and the emotion, also the feather boa, which was not mine. I just want to hasten to add it. It was brought along. But it was about recognising and celebrating the advocacy of our endo warriors, of all of the uh, women who've suffered in silence and ending that silence. And so even though there was sadness and, you know, yes, I did apologise, I thought, because it had been a topic which had been ignored for too long and about which there'd been not a conspiracy of silence, but just, I guess, an embarrassment of silence Mm. is what I'd call it. Mm. And, you know, it it was an issue whose time had come due and uh, to have such powerful advocates there meant that it was a really moving and important day. Can you explain in layman's terms what the actual action plan means and how it does help our endo warriors in Australia? Yeah, so the the action plan is really built on four things. The first is awareness, so public awareness of endometriosis, the fact that this is a common 
exceptionally painful. Obviously, it's a spectrum depending on any particular woman's experience and frequently debilitating and deeply debilitating condition. Secondly, to help explain the condition itself. So the awareness, the explanation. So as women can seek out treatment in confidence to know that they can go and to know that their clinicians will be supportive. Thirdly is to actually have the treatment options. And fourthly is to look at research um, into endometriosis and chronic pelvic pain. Were you actually aware of endometriosis before you became health minister or was it a word when you first were introduced to it, you were like, wow, what on earth is that? No, look, I, I was aware of it because of, uh, of friends, but I was also aware of my, you know, the limits of my knowledge. And what did surprise me was the extent of women in Australia who had the condition. You know, if you had asked me, I would have suspected that it was a lower number and a lower proportion. Hmm. And the reality of the numbers, in particular people like uh, Nicole Flint and Nola Marino um, talked to me a lot about how important this condition was and how widespread. And as we dug into it in in my first year in office, I learned a lot. And uh, we realised that this was common, but underrepresented in the public discussion. Well, it's interesting that you mention in Parliament with some colleagues who have been affected by it. You mentioned Nicole and Nola, and I've heard their stories and they're, you know, phenomenal women sharing theirs. But we actually got a question on our social media page. Do you think many of your colleagues in Parliament would accurately be able to explain endometriosis? That's from Tess in Victoria. Five years ago, no, uh, certainly some of the women. Now, I would say the overwhelming majority would understand the basics of it, but also the importance and the need for recognition, uh, treatment, awareness and support. And so I think that has been a dramatic change in the last five years. And we have a very bipartisan approach, people such as uh, Gay Brockman, a former MP Mm -hmm. uh, from the Labor side, Lisa Chesters is a a co-chair of the Parliamentary Friends of Endometriosis. And that means that pretty much... Everybody in a position of responsibility um, is aware of it, understands the extent of it and the importance of it. So we have put it out there on the Endometriosis Australia social media pages for questions to be asked to Minister Hunt. They have been coming through thick and fast at our inbox. First up, we've got one from Catherine from Mount Gravatt in Queensland. She would love to know, are there considerations to make some of the medication for endo available on the PBS? Yes, absolutely. So the the situation is that if the PBAC or the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee recommends a medicine, and that's necessary by law, uh, we guarantee that we will be listing it. And uh, we already have three principal medicines which are on the uh, pharmaceutical benefits scheme for the treatment of endometriosis. We have gosrelin, medroxyprogesterone and nefarolin. So those three, and then we will look at others such as Quilara and Bisain if the PBAC approves them. And if they do, then we'll list them. So three there, more to come, subject to the um, independent committee. But this is one of the things that I'm really committed to. That's fantastic to hear. You are a true endo champion for us, Minister Hunt. Next question is through from Anna from Sydney. She would love to know why going to emergency is such a gamble every time. 
It feels they have no understanding of endo and dismiss our pain, sending us away without pain relief. And I've experienced this myself and it's such a common story from endo warriors as well where we'll go along and it kind of feels like in those emergency scenarios that the staff don't have that understanding and that awareness of what endometriosis is and they just dismiss it. I hope and believe that it has improved and we've provided $500,000 to the at Royal Australian College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists to help create clinical guidelines for the treatment of endometriosis. That's about training our professionals and particularly as younger professionals are coming through, the awareness, the recognition that this is not just period pain, that this is a significant clinical condition and that can have a profound impact in terms of chronic pain, health and mental health, that all of these things come together. And so my judgment is that There has been significant improvement, but there's still more to go. And so we, one of our absolutely principal tasks is to work with the medical community for greater understanding of the clinical conditions and a readiness and a willingness to look for diagnoses. And I think that that's really important. Speaking of working on more accessible things, Anna from West End in Queensland would love to know, how can we work on more accessible treatment or surgery to prevent women needing additional time out of workforce while waiting? So thanks, Anna. Uh, One word, research. This research is absolutely critical. So we've invested about $16 million in research into endometriosis. My uh, women's health Advisor Nicole Green oversees this as a as a personal project uh, within the office. And just recently, we were able to announce a new round of research grants, and that included funding of just under one point two million for Professor Guy Ying Ni at RMIT on the new ways to see endometriosis studies. So, looking at cells of the uterus end up in other parts of the body, how they can cause pain and other symptoms, and that helps with both diagnosis and treatment. So, ultimately. Research is what's going to unlock new ways for treatment. We're still discovering so many mysteries with this illness and where various bits of endometriosis can end up in your body. How it has gotten to someone's brain, it still blows my mind, which is why the, the money and the funding for research is crucial. Now, another question through from our socials. Will endometriosis ever be recognized as a disability and eligible for the NDIS? This is such an important question from Marley in Victoria. Yeah. So the way the NDIS works is it responds to your level of disability. It's not about a specific condition. So it's absolutely possible that endometriosis can lead to recognition under the NDIS for a particular patient. It all depends on what is the nature of the impact. Is it significant and is it ongoing? They're the two things that are ultimately, to boil it down, the the tests for the NDIS. And if somebody, unfortunately, were to have an endometrial condition such as that with those impacts, then that would lead to their capacity for support under the NDIS. How do we get endometriosis, its own specialist qualification, separate from gynaecology? That's a good question from Sarah in South Australia. Sure. So these things are very much governed by the medical colleges themselves. Um, And look, my own observation might be a slightly different take from Sarah's. I think what you want is areas of expertise and significant modules or courses of training so as the obstetricians and gynaecologists and the general practitioners, as well as the emergency department specialists that we discussed before, 
have that understanding, knowledge and expertise. Particularly, you want your obstetricians and gynecologists to be able to recognise it, to respond to it. So one of the things we'd be willing to work on is very specific focus on those modules or courses right across the disciplines. So general practice, emergency department, obstetrics, gynaecology. And I think that might be the way to uh, to achieve what Sarah's looking for. It would be good to, you know, have someone who straight away can just go to the endometriosis specialist. We've got a question through from Genevieve in the ACT. Now, she said that herself and others have attempted to access super to help her pay rent and mortgage during long periods of time off due to endometriosis pain. They've been declined every single time. They would love to know if you don't want to quit your job, there's no sick leave left. Is there any financial support available for people with endometriosis? Sure. So two things there. One is in terms of uh, if somebody had a, you know, a chronic, ongoing, debilitating condition, obviously the NDIS, as we mentioned, but secondly, uh, disability support payments. Again, those are tested on the basis of the, the impact or the impairment. Then in terms of access to uh, superannuation, that is generally quite restricted. But if we were to get something from Genevieve to me via uh, Nicole in my office, then I will take that up with the superannuation guardians and to look at what options they have. Um, It would only be if somebody was in a a very significant situation and where they needed that support. As a general principle, it's only done on an occasional basis, but it's not not impossible. So I'm always trying to be realistic, but I think that is not impossible. Okay, so Genevieve, get in contact with Minister Hunt's office and fingers crossed we can see that change and help you out. Thank you so much for that question. And we've got one more through and as someone who has gone through IVF, I know how expensive it is. Every single round, it all adds up. You've got to go through not only the emotional side of it, but the financial burden. And Naomi from the Central Coast would love to know what support can be provided to people with endo who need to undergo rounds of IVF. It is so expensive. There is a rebate, but could there be a yearly cap, potentially just a, or a lifetime cap if you have endometriosis? Sure. So look, I'm very happy to look at this idea, to be honest, and that's, Ellie, exactly why you are doing what you're doing and why I'm doing this podcast with you, because there are new ideas all of the time. So if you could arrange with Naomi to to get that proposal, we could look at it because I'm looking at the next thing and the next thing with regards to treatment and access and options for endometriosis. For me, it's a new idea, but it's an important one. One of the things that I did fight against is we had recommendations from a committee that there should be limits on the number of cycles somebody may may be able to have for IVF. And I took the public policy position that it doesn't matter what their conditions are. It's a matter between the potential mum and her doctor. Mm. And very much something that I felt was the right thing to do. So what I would not be doing is limiting the number of cycles as, as had been recommended to me by one group. And I think that that gives confidence that, you know, so long as women and their doctors believe it's the right thing for them to do, they can go forwards. Then in terms of the uh, the funding, I'm happy to receive something and to, and to have a look at it, but not to make false promises. I think that's the, 
hopefully the, the right way to go about it. A lifetime cap to help with IVF payments if you have endometriosis would be life-changing. That was one of the reasons why my husband and I made the extremely hard decision to no longer continue with our IVF journey just because financially it was all adding up and it was just becoming too stressful. So if we can make that happen, that would be absolutely life-changing. Let's see what we get. We would love to know, this is from, I think it's Annabee. In Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, she would love to know what advice do you have for spouses of endo warriors? How can they support and what kind of support do they need as well? Which is an interesting question. Get a male's perspective on it. Yeah, look, I think the uh, the first thing, uh, Annabee, is to be proud of our endo warriors. You know, that uh, they put up with a lot, a lot of pain and discomfort, uncertainty, and then just the sometimes emotional trauma of chronic pain, you know, which can be deeply debilitating. The, the second thing is support, and um, that's uh, about listening to your partner. What is it that she needs? She may need support, heat, food, massage, may need space. And so it's, you know, as with every relationship, it's about the needs of your partner. What is it that they need? And, and that's the real question. But Pride and recognition and support would be the two things. And you would have experienced as well in that room when the National Action Plan was announced, there were the partners of Endo Warriors in there oh, yeah. and weren't they proud as punch? I think they were even more excited than some of the women. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty pretty right. You had a lot of positive energy, a lot of women who were uh, there. You know, I have a, a colleague, Julian Simmons, who's been very proud. He's the member for Ryan very supportive of his own wife and uh, with her consent has talked about her journey. And so these things, we're talking about it more. We're a few years behind where we've been with mental health. Mental health first breakthrough was for people to be able to talk about it. Um, But then the support and the treatment followed. Endometriosis is something which um, Ellie began on our watch together, along with many other endo warriors. And uh, in terms of the public awareness, you were there from the outset. In my time on my watch, we've been able to jointly elevate it, but we're making progress. Mm. And you know, I'll continue to make sure that there's funds and investment and awareness. So we just tell that story and we continue to give Australian women support, but above all else, hope. Well, Minister Hunt, how can we ensure that the National Action Plan is supported in local areas? Do we go and chat to our local NP? Do we go along and have a cup of tea when they go to the cafes and do that? Do we write them a letter? How do we make sure Endo keeps in conversation in Parliament? A, keep going, but B, meeting them. Nothing beats meeting someone face-to-face. And so I think that that's extremely important. And, you know, we, we've got obviously fantastic champions, Nicole Flint, Nola Marino, Julian Simmons, previously Gay Brotman, Lisa Chesters, many, many different people. But if you book in uh, and ask to see your uh, your local MP, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of them will make time for uh, the, the endo warriors or the different representatives of the different endometriosis groups and organisations to meet with them, to talk with them about the challenge and to reaffirm that you want the national plan extended and implemented. And at my end, that's what I'm committed to. But at your end, I think you can make a really big difference in boosting the education.
that education has increased dramatically over the last three to four years, but it can always be stronger. It can always be better. Keep the conversation going. And the Honourable Greg Hunt, on behalf of all of the Endo Warriors, on behalf of the team at Endometriosis Australia, thank you so much for getting endometriosis a headline, to a national plan for it to actually get that conversation in Parliament. And you've mentioned all those other amazing people who have championed it as well, but you really have been the forefront of it too. So thank you. My, my pleasure. The, the, the one person I forgot to mention who has talked about this publicly and has a unique status and standing is uh, Jenny Morrison, the Prime Minister's wife, hmm. and talked about her journey and to have that voice obviously has the ear of the Prime Minister, uh, but to have that voice standing up publicly and talking about her journey says to every woman, I can talk about this. Mm. And uh, you're a champion and uh, all of your warriors are. So thank you, Ellie, for what you've done and thank you to all of our Endo Warriors. You're beginning to win the battle. The Honourable Greg Hunt, thank you so much for your time on the Living with Endo, the A to Z of Endometriosis. Endometriosis Australia podcast. We really appreciate it. Take care. All thanks to you, Ellie. Well done. You take care. We'll chat to you soon. All the best. Bye. Bye. He's one of the most delightful people you could ever speak to, and he truly is passionate about helping endo warriors. So as he advised, get in contact with your local member and keep that conversation going. If you'd like to find out more about who you need to be chatting to, you can go to the Parliament of Australia website, aph.gov.au. A couple of other resources that we spoke about included the NDIS. You can find out more info on that at ndis.gov.au. And for any other information you'd love to know about endometriosis, place to go to endometriosisaustralia.org. Thank you so much for tuning in to this ultra special episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. Make sure you share it, give it a like, leave a review, give it five stars because by doing that, it helps to get the word out that there's a podcast about endometriosis. I look forward to speaking with you soon. In the meantime, stay safe and thank you so much for listening.